Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, breaking down Nikki Alexander-Walker and the job he's done in place of Jade McDaniels over the past week or so. Overall, Wolves lineup data with Nah in that role. Plus, let's talk a little bit about what the bench needs to do to step up, especially with Alexander Walker in the starting lineup. Let's talk slow-mo. Let's talk Shake Milton. And also the job Troy Brown Jr.'s done. Uh, he was obviously one of the heroes of the win on Tuesday against OKC. We'll also preview Wolves Jazz on Thursday night. It's all upcoming. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. A big thank you, first of all, before we get into lots of stuff here today on the show, uh, lineup data. Um, the bench unit, and also previewing Wolves Jazz. A big thank you off the top here for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Hearing from many of you that are seen on your Spotify wrapped uh, that that Lockdown Wolves made your top five. Love hearing those stories and um, also love hearing about everybody that does make us your first listen every day. That's obviously what we want. Um, and if you don't listen, you can also watch. That's on YouTube. It's also on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. You can get that app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can also follow on X. That's at Lockdown T Wolves and also at my account, which is at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Of course, the big headline coming out of Tuesday's game, other than the fact that it was a phenomenal win for the Wolves, was the Anthony Edwards injury. We'll talk a little bit uh, specifically about the Jazz matchup Thursday night later in the show. Anthony Edwards is listed by the team as doubtful as of uh, Wednesday afternoon. And um, I mean, like I said this on Tuesday, it doesn't make any sense that he would play Thursday. They're calling it a, a hip pointer. Um, so... Like, like, why? I mean, the Wolves should be able to be what could be a shorthanded Jazz team, too. We'll talk about that. And they also played Wednesday. So, you know, last year's team, you're worried about it no matter what. This year, it's like, well, you should be able to beat a shorthanded Jazz team that just lost to Memphis on the front end of a back-to-back Thursday night without Ant. Um, but even if you can't, like, it's not worth risking further injury to Ant in that game. Uh, the Wolves don't have a back-to-back again for, like, three weeks. So, like, get him a, get him a solid few days rest here get him right. Um, so it'd be a surprise to see him play Thursday, but good that he's at, he's not already listed as out, right? Like if nothing else, that's, that's just a, um, I think should make everybody feel better about, about Ant's status in general moving forward. All right, let's, uh, I want to spend the first chunk of the show here today talking about the rotation and specifically about Nikhil Alexander Walker, the job he's done since he's joined the starting lineup in place of the injured Jaden McDaniels. Um, so I, I want to start there, and then we'll kind of go into that trickle-down effect of Nod joining the starting lineup. That means that that uh, we're seeing expanded roles, not necessarily minutes for Shake Milton and Kyle Anderson. In some cases, minutes, but expanded roles or, or tweaked roles. And then also, Troy Brown Jr. is now a part of the rotation. He's that next man up, that 10th man with McDaniels unavailable. So I want to talk about all that, but let's start with Alexander Walker and some interesting lineup data. Um, now like 
caveats apply, but like I'll, I'll just put it out there first. We'll we'll start here. So the Wolves' two most used lineups so far this season, and of course my lineups just disappeared. I swear I had them right here. The Wolves' two mo- most used lineups so far this season. Oh, here we go. I know what happened. Uh, so far this season are, of course, their preferred starting lineup, which is Conley, Edwards, McDaniels, Townsend, Gobert. Number two is the starting lineup they've used when McDaniels missed, what, the first two games of the season and then now the last four games. So uh, the Wolves have have had, I mean, what's what's the record right now? Uh, Minnesota is 13-4, and four, I believe. I want to make sure I get this right. 13-4. Uh, so they played 17 games. They've started 11 games with one lineup, and they've started six games with the other one. McDaniels missed the first two games of the season with the uh, the calf injury, and then he's now missed the last four with the ankle sprain. So the Wolves' most used lineup is their preferred starting lineup. Their second most used lineup, according to Cleaning the Glass, is the current lineup. Sands, well, I guess, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Ant Thursday. So we'll say Conley Edwards, Alexander Walker, Townsend Gobert. The Wolves will play 269 possessions with their preferred starting lineup. They've played 200 possessions with this other lineup. So, I mean, significantly less, but it's not like half as many, right? It's it's about, it's almost, it's a little more than two-thirds as many. It's about almost three-quarters as many, uh, as, as many possessions played with this secondary lineup. They're actually significantly better defensively with Alexander Walker as part of that five-man lineup than Jaden McDaniels. And I'm presenting this, again, caveats certainly apply, and I'm not making the argument that Nikhil Alexander-Walker is better than Jaden McDaniels. I'm simply making the argument that he's been really good overall. And of course, he wasn't great against the Thunder on Tuesday, so that's what's freshest in our minds. Um, But he also had to guard Shea Gilgis-Alexander, which is an extremely difficult task. We've seen him be phenomenal against SGA, among others as well. So overall this season, those lineups with Alexander Walker along with Conley Edwards, Townsend, Gobert are allowing just 107 points per 100 possessions. That's 71st percentile among five-man units league-wide. They are in the 75th percentile in terms of turnover rate, as a five-man unit defensively, and 82nd percentile in terms of opponent free throw rate. The offense hasn't actually been as good. Now, the margin's a little bit lower. It's less than a four-point difference offensively. Defensively, they've been 6.8 points better per 100 possessions with Alexander Walker in the lineup instead of McDaniel. So you look at the overall, the essentially the net, right, the difference between the two, it's a plus 7.5, a 62nd percentile five-man lineup with Alexander Walker, and a plus 4.4, which is 54th percentile with McDaniels. Again, not suggesting that it's better that Alexander Walker is in the lineup instead of McDaniels. Just stating the facts where we're at, which again, I think tells the story. It's It says more about how good Alexander Walker's been, along with the rest of the Wolves starting lineup, than it does say anything about McDaniels. Because we know what McDaniels can do. Uh, we know what he's done. We know what he is becoming, apparently, what it seems like he's becoming in terms of a, a well-rounded you know, two-way player and one of the league's very best overall, not just perimeter, but overall defenders. It just speaks to how good Alexander Walker's been so far this year. And it, it's easy to forget that because he wasn't good you know, last time out. But before the McDaniels injury, there was that stretch of games that started really, I guess, the Spurs game, but especially in Golden State, he started to play extremely well. Um, and actually, you go all the way back to that Pelicans game on November 8th when he didn't score, but he had eight assists in that game. And then 
from that point forward, he had a nine nine and four against San Antonio. He scored ten against Golden State, knocked down a couple of threes in that game. Um, had eight in that bad game against Phoenix for you know bad for the team, and then he had a ten point game off the bench against the Pelicans, an eleven point game against the Knicks. Uh, it was just kind of this run of solid performances off the bench with really good defense, timely shot making, et cetera. And this OKC game is the first game we've seen from him in in three weeks that hasn't been uh, a, a really valuable performance. So I think it says as much about how impressive Alexander Walker has been as anything else. And um, I, that's it to me. That's really interesting data. I was I was surprised to see that again. That's over at Cleaning the Glass, and. Uh, I I think a chunk of that is probably because he fouls a lot less than Jaden McDaniels does. Um, And, you know, I I mentioned the free throw rate, like 40th percentile in terms of free throw rate defensively with McDaniels in that five-man lineup versus 82nd percentile. It's almost six full uh, less free throw, made free throws per 100 field goals for opponents. That's that's crazy. That's a really significant difference. And it's just because he... my opinion, it's because he just fouls less than Jaden McDaniels does. Um, and that is probably the biggest difference. Now, offensively, it surprised me a little bit too because it, it feels like Alexander Walker's been playing well offensively, but there's also a little bit more familiarity and flow with when McDaniels is on the floor too. So I'm sure that contributes to it. So anyway, just putting that out there to, to underscore how good Alexander Walker's been for this Wolves team so far this season, especially when playing with the starters when he doesn't have to, because a lot of times his overall play gets influenced because when he's with that bench unit, it's him and shake Milton occasionally that are kind of flip flopping who's initiating offense. And he ends up with the ball in his hands a bit more. Whereas when he's playing with the starters, it's really a catch and shoot or scoring in transition. Um, you know, that that's, that's, uh, that's what the deal is, right? Like he's not trying to overextend and do anything else. All right. I want to get into the trickle down effect to the bench. Related to Shake Milton, related to Troy Brown Jr., and also Kyle Anderson. We're going to get to all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our title sponsors over at Game Time. When it comes to Game Time, you don't have to worry when you're buying your tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. They're the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show you your total upfront, so you know what you're getting, including that great deal that you'll get without hidden fees. You could buy tickets in seconds with two taps. They also have exclusive flash deals and sponsor deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. With zone deals, you could pick the section and Game Time picks the seats for an average of 18% savings. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. You can take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKDOWNNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A, for $20 off. Terms apply. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, let's talk more bench unit. Um, 
slow-mo. Kyle Anderson, let's start there. So it's no secret Shake Milton has 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 had a rough start to the season. And I want to I want to touch on that a little bit. But Kyle Anderson to me is the weirder one, and, and also at the same time encouraging. We haven't talked much about Kyle Anderson on the show. The discourse around slow mo has not been uh, nearly as negative as the discourse around Shake Milton, and rightfully so. Right, slow mo's had a better season. He's a better overall player. There's no question about that. Um, I I realize this is dangerous territory if I say anything that's not overwhelmingly positive about Kyle Anderson. I love Kyle Anderson too. He has not played to his standards yet this season, especially on the offensive end of the floor. And he's played a little more for than I think we expected him to early this season, um, in part due to foul trouble and things like that. And also they've just played more big lineups. Uh, we expected him to play, or sorry, I said that wrong. They played smaller, I think maybe a little bit more frequently than, than we would have expected through, albeit through 17 games. But he's playing a little bit more three this year than he did last year, certainly. Um, Last year, Kyle Anderson had his worst rebounding season of his career. Only a 10.5% rebound rate was by far his, uh, not really by far, it was a big dip from what he'd done in Memphis when he played a lot of even five with the Grizzlies the year prior. But it, it was a career low rebound rate. This year, that rate's dropped almost two full percentage points. It's only an 8.7 rebound rate. His previous career low was last year at 10.5%. He's seen his assist rate dip. He's seen his steal rate blit dip. Um, he's seen his turnover rate spike. And he's at the three-point percentage last year was obviously career high, 41%. That was, everyone knew it was fool, fool's gold. He was really good from the corners, not good above the break. And he was only shooting like a little over one three-point per three-pointer per game, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, one and a half three-point attempts per game last year. And he shot 41%. This year, he's 18%. He's uh, two of 11 so far this season on three-point attempts. He he He's not a three-point shooter, right? But still... You know, that that one and a half attempts per game going down to, you know, less than one attempt per game this season and also shooting 18%. Like that matters, right? Uh, on some level, even if it's not a massive volume, the the decrease in attempts and the decrease in makes does matter at so, uh, on some level, right? So no matter how you slice it, I just don't think he's been as good offensively as he was last season through 17 games. I think he's been valuable defensively. I think he's been a huge part of of how good the Wolves have been, especially that bench unit defensively. He kind of helps anchor that uh, that zone at times on defense when Gobert's off the floor, right? We've seen the Wolves go to zone, especially the last couple of weeks, with Rudy off the floor. If it's occasionally Nas at the five or if it's Cat and Nas on the floor together, they'll play a zone, and Kyle Anderson is kind of in charge of quarterbacking everything when Rudy's off the floor. And he's done an, 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 a, a, a really... Um, strong job there. I mix my words. A strong, strong job quarterbacking the zone on defense. On offense, when teams go to zone, we know he's the quarterback of that too, right? He goes to the nail, he gets the pass, he distributes, he he hits cutters, he finds the open shooters. Um, you know, and that's all really great. I just the turnover, the turnovers are the biggest thing for me. He's had he had four again the other night against OKC. It's just uncharacteristic. I say all this not because I want to like rake Kyle Anderson over the coals. I say it because we know he's going to improve, right? This there isn't like something suddenly that got worse about him to turn the ball over, you know, an extra time per game and um, you know, be allergic to rebounding. Like it's more fluky than anything else or it's just maybe a slow start to the season. 
Uh, remember, and like there's examples of this every year, but the one that sticks out from the past couple of seasons was two years ago. Remember when Torian Prince in his first year in Minnesota was shooting like 19% on threes at Christmas, and then he shot like 49% after January 1st or something on threes, and I, I don't think those numbers are far off. He might have, might have actually been over 50% the rest of the year and finished shooting like basically a career best three-point percentage. I'm not saying that's where we're at with Kyle Anderson, but this is just a weird season fluky thing and also being asked to do a few different things role-wise. That's going to even out, right? He's not going to finish the year turning the ball over 21% on 21% of possessions. He's not going to finish the rebound rate below 9%. I really don't think he will. Um, I, I, I do think he's going to bounce back in really all of those areas and ultimately be a really valuable piece of the Wolves offense too, not just on defense. So I say this as like a point of optimism that he should improve. There, there's no reason why he shouldn't. Shake Milton, on the other hand, I shouldn't say on the other hand, um, Shake Milton, I think there's less variance between what he actually can be and, and what, what am I trying to say? Shake Milton is basically what we thought he would be. He's just not making his three-point attempts, right? Like, there's nothing about the way he's playing that is a surprise. He never was going to be an outstanding defender, and I actually think he's been better defensively than I expected. Um, he's maybe initiating less offense at the second unit, and that's happened less and less and less as he's his minutes have shrunk, his roles shrunk, and what he's being asked to do offensively has shrunk or has been minimized since he struggled so much early. Uh, but, like, the assist rate right now is his lowest since his rookie season. Um, he's, well, he's shooting threes, you know, 40% of his shot attempts have been threes. He's only shooting 24% on three point attempts. And that's something else that I feel confident is going to bounce back at least on some level. Right. Uh, now from the corners, he's still shooting 40% on corner threes, which is, which is, you know, maybe a little lower than you'd like it to be, but that's not a bad mark. And almost half of his shot attempts are coming from the excuse me, half of his three point attempts are coming from the corners, which means he's shooting the ball abysmably, abysmally. There we go, abysmally from I don't know his his shooting percentage from above the break in terms of three point attempts has been abysmal. He's been good in the corners, abysmal above the break, and the volume is about where it should be. He's just not; they're not falling, and we've seen them fall a little bit more recently. It was just a few games ago when he was a dud in, in my post game studs and duds. And I, I mentioned, I didn't think the shot looked comfortable at all. It almost seemed like he was heaving it. It started to look a little bit better the last couple of times out. He's knocked down a couple of threes here recently. Um, and so I'm not super worried about Shake because I think he kind of is what it what he is. He'll just make a few more threes, right? Like there's no precedent for him shooting 24% from three over a season. He's 36% for his career. He was 38% last year. Like, that's going to bounce back. As long as he keeps defending how he is currently and it doesn't backslide there and maybe mixes in a little bit more playmaking on offense when given the opportunity, those shots are going to start to fall and we're going to see a nice progression to the mean here when it comes to Shake Milton. So expect both of those guys to play better. Uh, real quickly, Troy Brown Jr., um, he was phenomenal, of course. He scored, what, 12 fourth quarter points, I think 17 overall in the win over OKC on on Tuesday. I love this acquisition, and I was clamoring for him even after McDaniel's got back. It was especially after that Hawks game when the Wolves, you know, McDaniel's first game back was the Atlanta game when they got clobbered three out of four quarters at Atlanta. Um, I was clamoring for Troy Brown Jr. to still somehow, some way, get minutes because I think he brings valuable um, traits to this lineup, to this rotation, and I, I, I didn't have a good 
Like, I couldn't describe how Chris Finch should do it. He's got a tougher job than I do, right? But Troy Brown's got to see the floor, especially when this team is having issues with, you know, um, any number of things related to activity, right? It's the do stuff ability thing. Um, he's not going to like, he's not going to do as much for you like in the assist category, right? But he's going to grab some stray rebounds, some loose balls. He's going to get some steals. Um, he's going to show up out of nowhere and grab a block shot. Like that's the type of player that he is. And the activity level is off the charts. And this is a team that has been sorely lacking in the activity level um, area ever since Jared Vanderbilt and Patrick Beverly were traded away two summers ago or summer before this last one. Currently, Troy Brown Jr. has a career-high total rebound rate, uh, by far a career-high offensive rebound rate, almost twice as good as his previous best offensive rebound rate. Um, he's doing some other, you know, a little bit of blocks and steals here defensively. He doesn't turn the ball over because he's basically a catch-and-shoot guy, although he's getting to the line at a much higher clip than he ever has in his career. Uh, that's probably not sustainable. Uh, but the game has been well-rounded. And of course, the the game against the Thunder is is the best example of that. And we're, you know, I'm not saying he would do that with frequency. You talk to anybody around the Lakers from last year, and they'll tell you like, I, I talked to uh, the Kamenetsky brothers from Lockdown Lakers after the trade, and they were saying like, hey, good Troy Brown, you're going to love him. He's just really streaky. And that's why he ultimately lost his starting spot and eventually lost his rotation spot after all the moves the Lakers made over the course of the season. And I, Troy Brown Jr. is not a starter on a playoff team. I just don't think he is. I think the role he should be in is exactly the one he's in now, which is he may not play some nights when this team is fully healthy, but when he's called upon, he's going to give you a ton of activity, knock down some open threes, and play really good switching defense, activity, length, athleticism, getting passing lanes. I think he's probably worthy of a ninth man type role where he's playing 10, 12, 14 minutes a night. We'll see if Chris Finch can get him a handful of minutes here and there once McDaniels comes back. But this is exactly why, and I've talked about this before, this is exactly why this year's roster is so much deeper and so much better than last year's because you're not asking Bryn Forbes or Austin Rivers or Jordan McLaughlin or whoever to play these minutes. You're asking Troy Brown Jr., who started on a team that went to the second round of the playoffs, who has legit, like, um, NBA caliber athleticism and um, a legit three and D guy, the length that this roster has, like everybody, like Jordan McLaughlin. I love Jordan McLaughlin. He's like the only guy on this roster that doesn't have superior length um, and size for his position, right? I mean, it's, 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 and Troy Brown Jr. fits that mold. And then you go even deeper than that, like Josh Minot, Leonard Miller, like these guys are probably going to be in this rotation next year. And they could do it now and probably do a serviceable job. So uh, Trayvon Jr. is a great example of of just how much deeper this team is now and has done a really, really nice job off the bench for the Wolves when given the opportunity. All right, let's close the show here today by previewing Wolves-Jazz, the second game of the series between the two so far this year. We'll preview that matchup here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at FanDuel. As the weather continues to get colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Of course, Thursday Night Football tonight. I love uh, betting Thursday night and Monday night football when it's the only game. It's just a ton of fun to, to head over there, check out what the line is. Of course, lots of NBA action. The Wolves, obviously, in action against the Jazz this evening. We'll talk about, uh, well, I'll just I'll give you the line now. The Wolves 
and Jazz, uh, uh, there, I threw it up on the screen for you. Uh, it's it's a uh, minus 10.5 point, uh, or the Wolves, I should say, are a 10.5 point favorites against the Jazz on Thursday night at Target Center. The over-under is at 224.5 points. You can find over-unders like this. You can find spreads like this, player props, and more over at the FanDuel app. It's extremely easy to use. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on, and you can kick off the rest of the second half of your NFL season and, I guess, month two, basically, of the NBA season there. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, uh, let's talk Wolves-Jazz. So Minnesota last played Utah here a couple of weeks ago and beat them by a final score of 123 to 95. They held Utah to 38.5% shooting and, again, just 95 points. Uh, they really locked them down in the fourth quarter giving up just 18. This was the game. It was it was Towns' first real big scoring game. He had a big third quarter. Ended up with 25 for the game. This was, I want to say, the maybe two games before the Boston game. Or actually, no, it was the Saturday before. Boston was a Monday. This was the Saturday before the, the Boston game when Cat struggled. But in this one, he had 25 and 7. Had a big third quarter. Shot 50% for the field. 9 to 10 from the line. Ant had 31 points on 19 shots. And he had 8 assists. Excuse me, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. He also turned it over six times, but this was a cat and ant driven game. Nas also had 16 and five off the bench. Um, and, and I mean, the jazz just like all season, they've really struggled, but in this game, it was only Laurie Markkinen who had 22 on 20 shots and nobody else had more than 14 points for Utah. So it was an easy win for Minnesota at home. This one again comes in Minnesota and Utah has really been struggling here of late. Um, Really, all season they've been struggling. So coming into play uh, against the Wolves on Thursday, they're six and twelve. They lost their twelfth loss of the season Wednesday night at Memphis. It was Memphis's first home win of the season. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. had twenty points and six blocks. David Roddy had nineteen. By the way, uh, Joylin Noel shot like I think it was over six or over seven. Had no points in uh, some you know like eighteen minutes off the bench. So unfortunate for old friend Jalen Noel. Uh, but anyway. The Jazz beat the, or excuse me, lost to the Grizzlies. Memphis's first home win of the season. They fell, the Utah Jazz fell to 6-12. and 12. Before that, they'd won two straight against New Orleans. Before that, though, they lost four straight, including losing to Portland, getting blown out by the Lakers, beaten twice by Phoenix. Um, so it's been a disappointing start to the season. I think most people thought Utah would be a little bit better than they have been. Also important to point out, though, the injuries. Um they, Lori Markkinen's now missed three straight games. So they actually won their last two without Markkinen in the lineup. Those two games over the Pelicans, they did not have Markkinen. Kelly Olynyk missed the game. He came in with a questionable tag on Wednesday against Memphis and he did not play. It was the first game he's missed all season. Would imagine he'd be listed as questionable coming to Minnesota on Thursday since he had a chance to play Wednesday and didn't. Uh, maybe they just wanted to rest him the first night of a back-to-back. They probably thought that was the more winnable game of the two, the first night in Memphis versus second night in Minnesota. Jordan Clarkson was questionable on Wednesday before the game in Memphis, but he did end up playing. Um, and uh, what did he do? He had 12 points on 4-10 shooting. So, like, they're banged up, right? It seems unlikely Markkinen plays. Linux probably 50-50. Seems probable that Clarkson plays against the Wolves. But that's really kind of it. Walker Kessler's back. He missed a couple of weeks. Um, I can't remember what it was for for Kessler, an ankle or something. But he's been coming off the bench the last two games. I don't really know why. I think it's funny when when teams 
bring a guy back off the bench like this after missing. A, he's only missed a couple weeks. It's not like he's first games of the season. And he still played 28 minutes against Memphis. So he was second on the team in minutes off the bench. I think that's funny. Uh, but anyway, we'll see if he's back in the starting lineup. But Kessler is back and playing unless they rest him on the second night of a back to back after just coming back from the injury. So we may not see Kessler. We may not see Olenek. We probably won't see Markkinen. Um, Clarkson probably will play, but he was questionable Wednesday. So it's far from a full strength jazz team. And the Wolves, of course, have Anthony Edwards as doubtful and, and there will, you know, Jane McDaniels is out. McLaughlin's out. Um, so we're starting to see teams get a little bit more banged up. This matchup for the Wolves is not too bad, right? Like you look at, uh, here's some of my keys to the game. If the Wolves are patient offensively, they should have no problem against this Utah jazz team. Uh, at this point, this is actually coming into play Wednesday. So before the loss to the Grizzlies, Memphis was 29th in defensive rating. Um, nothing really jumps off the page in terms of like things that they're terrible at. Like they're they're not great at really anything defensively, but they're 26th in defensive effective field goal percentage, giving up an effective field goal percentage of 56.5% to opponents. Um, so if the Wolves are just patient and they hunt for their shots. They don't take the absolute first shot that's available to them. And they don't try and force the issue too much. And they just rotate the ball. Like this defense does not have like Jordan Clarkson is not sticking with the ball rotating side to side a couple of times. He's just not John Collins, not his forte, right? This is a very beatable team. Walker Kessler would be probably the only, you know, clear dominant, certainly dominant. It would be the only dominant defensive force on this team. He had six blocks against the Grizzlies, by the way, on Wednesday. But the Wolves should be able to get what they want offensively as long as they have some level of patience. Additionally, on the on the defensive end of the floor, the Wolves have to crash the defensive glass. Um, Memphis, excuse me, Utah, is a good defensive rebounding team. Sorry, good offensive rebounding team. They're first in the league in offensive rebound rate, 32%. That means that the number of available offensive rebounds, they grab almost one out of every three of their own misses. That's crazy. If you look at the game against the Wolves last time around, Wolves and Jazz, um, they had, I think, 17 offensive rebounds in that game. Obviously, it didn't really make a difference. The Wolves still ended up winning by 28 points. Um, but the Jazz grabbed rebounds left and right. They got themselves some second-chance opportunities. We've seen that be an issue for the Wolves at times over the past three seasons. And in this particular game, it didn't come back to bite them, but it's one of the reasons that Utah was able to hang around. Yeah, 17 offensive rebounds in that game. And... Um, you know, points in the paint, the Wolves are still plus 16, but giving them additional bites of the apple is obviously not what you want. My last key to the game is a high overall defensive activity level. And the reason for that is because Utah will turn the ball over. Like their offense has been decent this year. They they came into the Memphis game 15th in offensive efficiency, so very middle of the pack or exactly middle of the pack, uh, but they will turn it over. Memphis is 29th in offensive turnover rate. They turn it over on 14.8%. So basically 15% of their possessions, they turn the ball over and they're first in offensive rebounding, right? So uh, have a high activity level defensively, jump passing lanes, get do exactly. If they do what they did against the Thunder on Tuesday defensively in this game, they'll win by 30, right? Like have that same effort level and you're going to generate turnovers because this team's far sloppier and much less talented offensively than the Thunder. They're um, a, a worse shooting team. They're they're a decent shooting team. They're 15th in three-point percentage as a team. OKC was first coming into Minnesota on Tuesday. Uh, so force them into sloppy passes, force them into turnovers, and the high activity level, don't get yourselves too out of position by gambling. Stay home, be smart, be active, close out under control, 
don't let them get too many bites at the apple in terms of offensive rebounding. Um, I mentioned their 15th and three-point percentage. They're also seventh in three-point attempt rate. So they're going to get their threes up, close on under control, turn around, box out, secure a defensive rebound. You're going to force them into some sloppy turnovers. If you secure defensive rebounds, you'll be just fine, and you won't give up too many second chances to an offense that's actually decent, uh, but again, prone to turnovers. So those are my three keys to this one. Um, One more time, patience on offense. You'll get a shot that you like. Just be patient. Crash the defensive glass. It's the league's top offensive rebounding team. This is a team that didn't have Walker Kessler for a couple of weeks, too. And then number three, have a high overall defensive activity level. Defend uh, frenetically at a frenetic pace, but close out under control. Grab those defensive boards, and uh, you know, you'll have an absolutely an opportunity to build a lead against this team. I'll throw up the the FanDuel line here once again. The Wolves are favored by ten and a half points, and this is you know, with the doubtful tag on Anthony Edwards. So I would guess that FanDuel's guessing that Anthony Edwards doesn't play, but also the Jazz have all those injuries that I mentioned already too. Over under 224 and a half for this game. Uh, so head on over to FanDuel and check that out. Um, you know, uh, check out that that line. If that is something that, you know, I'd be surprised if that line didn't shrink a little, especially if Edwards is ruled out at some point earlier in the day, but keep an eye on that over at FanDuel. Um, if you're not able to watch the game or be at Target Center, of course, you can watch the Wolves take on the Utah Jazz. Excuse me, you can listen to the Wolves take on the Utah Jazz at 7 p.m. Central. Catch every bucket from Wolves Jazz on the Hometown Broadcast with Sirius XM. The fantastic Alan Horton make with the Hometown Broadcast with the call on Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Minnesota Timberwolves on the SXM app and you'll find Mr. Alan Horton and Wolves Jazz. Also, after the show, we will have this uh We'll have the live postcast on Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube. You can listen to the audio. If you can't watch it live on YouTube, you can listen to the audio right here on the Locked On Wolves audio feed um, overnight tomorrow night after the game. Then my show, this show, will be back Friday morning with the postgame podcast talking all things Wolves jazz as well. A big thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find Locked On Wolves. You can also watch on the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And you can follow an X at Locked On T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Lockdown has launched the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Of course, Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel. The Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast. And we'll catch you next time.